Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 348 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, the guru of RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I mean, it, it's been a rough week in, in Red's land here, Chad, but me personally, I'm doing fine. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, you know, I've been doing fine as well, but we do begin on a little bit of a somber note, as you uh, alluded to, in that Red's legend Joe Morgan, one of the stars of the Big Red Machine, maybe the star of stars of the Big Red Machine, passed away this week at age 77. And, uh, you know... I I don't think we can overstate what Joe Morgan meant to this club. And, and uh, you know, he'd been in some poor health for a while, but uh, that doesn't make it any, any less less sad that one of the heroes of this franchise is uh, no longer with us. And so, you know, uh, rest in peace, Joe Morgan. Thoughts out to his family, but uh, just, just a sad time, right? Yeah, it is. And, I mean... <laughs> You know, you you mentioned that you know he had been in poor health in the past, and you know I remember, oh gosh, I feel like it was probably about two and a half, three years ago or so, we we had kind of gotten word that he wasn't doing very well, uh, and I, I know that I remember a lot of people being worried about it, but it seemed that shortly thereafter, you know, word started getting out that he was doing a lot better, um, and then I mean, you know, after after he passed away, you would, you kind of heard stories that you know he hadn't called you know former teammates back in, in quite a while. Uh, and then that wasn't like him. Um, you know, that obviously wasn't coming out publicly at the time, but, um, you know, it, it seems that, you know, it, it, this wasn't necessarily something that kind of came out of nowhere to those that were really close to him. Um, but to, to me, at least, it, like, it, it felt like it came out of nowhere. We didn't really know necessarily that he was doing as poorly and uh, health-wise as he actually was. Yeah, you're right. You know, there a couple of years ago when he was going through the health problems, I, we were all sort of a little bit on kind of nervous at that time about it and then you're right though i guess we uh thought it got we got he got past it and you know 77 is today is not uh not that old um and so i guess we were all hoping that uh he was past those problems but can we can we talk just a moment you know really it is sad and and i know everyone that heard the news uh, sort of uh, had that moment to remember Joe Morgan, but can we can we talk about the type of player he was? Because I I think to this day that baseball fans and certainly Cincinnati Reds fans, a lot of them do not understand just what an incredible player Joe Morgan is. And and I said uh, earlier this week, and I truly believe it. I think probably the uh, well, I, I, not probably. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my marker down here that that Joe Morgan is the best player ever to play for the Cincinnati Reds. And that's, uh, you know, they've been playing for a while. So tell us, tell us a little bit what you think of when you think of Joe Morgan, the player. I mean, I'm, I'm not old enough to have seen Joe Morgan play. I, I've, all I've seen are, you know, highlights and you know, rebroadcast of games. Um, for, for the record, I, I didn't see him play either. So okay. I, I'm old, but I'm not, right. that, I'm not that much older than you, man. Come on. <laughs> I, that, that was more for everyone listening who <laughs> may not be, Fully aware that you know I'm I'm only 36, so you know I was born in 1984, last year that Joe Morgan played. Um, but I mean, when you just you, you can look at the stats, and I mean they're great. 
they 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 really are. I mean, you know, he he's not a guy who you know he didn't go out and hit 500 home runs like some of the other you know all-time great players. But when you just look at everything, I mean, there wasn't anything that he wasn't able to do better than just about anybody else in the game at the time. Uh, I mean, he could hit for average. He walked a lot, which you know that's that, you know later on in his life that was a, that was an interesting little <laughs> debate kind of thing going on. But we'll, we'll, we won't we won't worry about that right now. Uh, I mean, he stole a ton of bases and did so at a high clip, which you know that was more something you saw a little bit more in his era. But even in his era, where everybody stole bases, he stole more. <laughs> um, yeah, Gold Glove defender. I mean, he was just, he was good at let me that he was very good at every aspect of the game, very very complete player, one of the most complete players in the history of baseball. Yeah, and you know, most valuable player in seventy five, seventy six, the rest two World Series years. What you say about uh, sort of being an all around player? We had a quote in the book, uh, the Big Fifty, where uh, Joe Morgan kind of talked about. It. He said, "Listen, I you know, uh, I'm blessed with the ability to do more things than other people can." I'm not the best power hitter in baseball, not the best hitter for average, not the best fielder, not the best base stealer, although you could maybe argue with some of those. But then he says, but when you put all those things together, no player in baseball can do any two of them better than I can. And that's a great way to look at it. I mean, he was just, and that's an illustration of what you said about being well-rounded. He just, he, he had no weaknesses in his game. He was uh, generally the smartest guy on the field, the most aware. There's a good story about when he's with Houston, and he, he was injured out for the year. So he took a seat behind home plate for every single game and just studied pitchers, studied their pickoff moves, studied their tails so that he could become a better base dealer. And obviously the very next year after that, he uh, he jumped up from uh, 29 stolen bases to 49. And then the rest was history after that. So just a incredible player, you know, 5'5", uh, 140 pounds when he debuted in the major leagues. <laughs> it's it's no, crazy. That's hilarious. I, no, I, I've, I've got this this mental image of Joe Morgan as a Cincinnati Red, which he was a little bit bigger by then. But I mean, I you know, covering minor league baseball all of these years, I, there are guys that I know of for a fact that were five five one forty, and I just I'm laughing in my head thinking about somebody that size, you know, being able to do what Joe Morgan could do because that's just it, it. It just doesn't make sense. Being an MVP, <laughs> I mean, and and literally the best player in baseball, and you know, there's arguments, I guess. But uh, I, I would say, you know, a lot of people would agree, maybe even the majority, the best second baseman in the history of baseball, right? I mean, um, he, he's he's top two anyway. I mean, at, at least since integ- integration. I mean, with, without without question to me, he's the best second baseman since Major League Baseball integrated. Yeah, he's just, uh, you know, as a player, um, we talked about how little he was, you know, he came out of, came out of Oakland and, and didn't get any offers. Uh, from any big league scout. I mean, the scouts weren't even looking at him, refused to look at him. And he couldn't even get a an offer to play for a four-year college. He went off to Oakland City College, studied business for a year, and uh, was the best player on the team, and finally attracted some attention. And then so uh, eventually signed with Houston. But what I like about that story is that was in 1962 when he dropped out of Oakland City College to go, go play uh, for the Houston at, Colt 45s at the time. And before the draft, by the way. Before the draft, right, yes. And after the 1972 World Series, he started taking night classes and th- back at college. And then ultimately, finally graduated 
1990 because he promised his mom he was going to graduate. So it took him, you know, 28 years. But uh, what what else did Joe Morgan do in in 1990? I can't think of anything else that Joe Morgan did in 1990. That was the year that he got inducted oh, yes. into the Hall of Fame. It was, as a matter of fact. Joe Morgan's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall. Of, he is. He's an inner circle Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, the red. You know, the Reds actually tweeted out something this afternoon. Um, that I mean, I knew he was a part of this club. I didn't. I didn't really think about it this way, but he was the first ever major leaguer to have 200 home runs and 500 steals. Wow. Um, I mean, I, only Ricky Henderson, Paul Molitor, and Barry Bonds are in that club now. Good players. And Joe Joe Morgan did it in 1978. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you say say the, the term inner circle Hall of Famer, because that's a term that I use a lot to describe. Oh, somebody, you know, are, they, are they a Hall of Famer? Yeah, they're probably a Hall of Famer. You know, they're not going to be inner circle, but they're probably a Hall of Famer. I mean, you talk about inner circle. I mean, it, it, Joe Morgan was just two-time MVP, 10-time All-Star, made All-Stars every year he was with the Reds. Uh, a couple World Series championships, five gold gloves, you know, I mean, uh, just everything. I mean, this offseason, um, Joe Poznanski, who uh, he's with the Athletic now, uh, he did the top 100 baseball players of all time. Uh, it's, it, it's, an, it's a series that he ran over the offseason. Uh, he he ranked Joe Morgan the twenty first best baseball player that ever lived, not major leaguer, mind you, baseball player. Like he he went, you know, as deep as he could worldwide. He included Negro League players, uh, Japanese players, everybody. Joe Morgan, twenty first all time. You go look at his uh, page at baseball baseball uh, reference dot com, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at all the all the the bold ink, and I'm thinking. Really, there were 20 better players than Joe Morgan because it's astounding to look at what he was able to do. Um, just it's it's really uh, how he became the player he became with that. Uh, again, he did, he did grow some, but uh, uh, but just being the little guy, he always hated being called the little guy. But uh, I don't know. Do you think Reds fans really appreciate the fact that he was? Uh, you know, I mean, I think that there's an argument between about between him and uh, and Johnny Bench for who's the best player on those big red machine teams. But do you think Reds fans really kind of kind of rate Joe Morgan up there? Reds fans of today, I guess. I no, I don't get that I, sense it, either. It, yeah, it, I, I just don't know if it, I think it's probably a combination of with what we understand about the value of certain things today versus when he was playing mainly the, the walks and on base percentage. Uh, like, you know, obviously you understood that, you know, getting on base is good, but I, I don't think that the relationship was there like the way it is today and how we understand how, how much important uh, that holds to, you know, scoring runs um, be, between that. And then just, you know, the fact that that, that team had so many guys that were, I mean, realistically i mean i i think that you know you've got johnny bench and pete rose on either either side of joe morgan there and i i think you can if you, if you really wanted to you could make a good argument in any which given direction to kind of depending on you know what flavor of player you particularly like the most um and, and I, I think that in a way that probably leads to a little bit of any of those guys being underrated but between that and then just what Joe Morgan did that maybe we understand better today leaves him a little bit underrated and underappreciated given all that he actually did do. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair way to put it. You know, I think Johnny Bench obviously was a, a red for his entire career. And, 
you know, so I think that played into it. Whereas when when Morgan left, he played for a, a number of different teams, and I'm still pretty good uh, almost till the, till the very end. At uh, at age uh, at age 40, Joe Morgan had a 3.56 on base percentage. I mean, you know, that's not that bad. But uh, and then of course uh, Pete Rose, the Cincinnati boy, and so he has his, you know, there there he has his uh, fans as well that would say he's the best player on that team. But I, I don't know. I just think you know, we're looking at from 1970. See seventy one to seventy six, or no seventy two to seventy six. Um, All star every year, top ten MVP all five of those years, top five MVP two of those or four of those five years, and four Gold Gloves, um, and then got his fifth in a row the following season. I mean, just that's a run that is just uh, it's it's it that that run is unmatched. I think in in Red's history, and uh, I mean, I, I, it has to be. I mean, I I, I want to say it was Fangraphs had something up the other day, and I, I I can't remember. I think it was like I think it was a seven year stretch, um, Morgan's seven years with the Reds there, um, that it was like the eighth or ninth best seven year stretch in the history of baseball for any among, player yeah. among, among position players. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> So yeah, I mean he's he was good. Yeah, so you know uh, you you put guys like Frank Robinson up there in that uh, discussion as well. But I just you know um, and you know Herm Winningham. But <laughs> uh, for my money, uh, not that I'm putting any actual money on this because uh, as always, uh, wagering is not allowed here on the podcast, Doug. Um, but for my money, Joe Morgan's he's he's the best Cincinnati Red that ever lived. It, it's tough to argue against it. it. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you can. It's easy to actually. It's actually easy to argue against it. Um, well, okay. He, how about he's for the time that he was a red. It's tough to argue that somebody was better than Joe Morgan was. I, I you can probably say you know Johnny Bench because he did have that whole career as a red. Yeah, so. and possibly the greatest catcher ever. I mean, you know, you, you can absolutely argue it, but yeah, um, I, I, Joe Morgan has a great, great case for that uh, for that title. So. Rest in peace, uh, you know, 2020 can take a flipping hike. Okay, well, now that we're, we're I, I, I want, I'd like to actually tell my, my little one personal story about Joe Morgan. Um, so if, if you know me, if you've ever listened to me rant, rave, followed me on Twitter, you, you've probably seen that, you know, I, I am more analytically inclined with my uh, baseball analysis. Uh, and if you've been around the baseball world for a while, you probably recall the the, the blog Fire Joe Morgan, uh, run by you know well there were a few people, but it was mostly run by Mike Schur, who right you know he he wrote for The Office, um, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, he turned out he he had a, a pretty good side job other than baseball writing, um, but you know that that blog. It basically started out as just kind of a, a sabermetric kind of view on baseball, and it kind of went against all that Joe Morgan was talking about at the time during his Sunday night baseball gig. Um, me personally, I, I kind of felt the same way that, you know, hey, Joe Morgan, great player, had no idea how to understand modern approaches to baseball analysis. Um. I had only seen Joe Morgan around baseball parks over the years. Um, he did 
eventually at some point take a job with the Reds as kind of a special advisor to the general manager, president of baseball operations, CEO, Bob Castellini, all of those things. He just kind of get assignments to go look at certain players in the organization, give his tips, you know, work with them, you know, just kind of a, a little do things here and there kind of situation when he was around, not something that, you know, he did every day. He had his other things going on in his life, which you know, it's understandable. Um, but when the Reds drafted Hunter Green and they sent him to Dayton, I, I don't know if he was assigned this or he happened to be in town and wanted to kind of just, you know, take the opportunity to go see Hunter Green. But uh, Hunter Green was making a start. And, you know, I, I show up to the ballpark at like 3 o'clock for 7 o'clock games. Um, I like to just kind of get in there, take a look at batting practice, you know, talk to players before the game. Just kind of get, get a good, good feel of everything that's going on. I got there that day, and the media relations director was like, hey, uh, so he kind of had this, like, this grin on his face. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And he's like, so just got a, just got word that uh, Joe Morgan's going to be here today. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, he's like, you know, he's going to come. And he, wants to, he wants to see Hunter Green pitch. I'm like, okay. So, you know, the first couple of innings of the game, I was down at field level taking pictures and video of Hunter Green. That's, that's kind of my job to do that. Um, but after the first couple of innings, I, I decided to go up to the press box. I go up to the press box, and two seats down from where I would have been sitting is Joe Morgan. Just hanging out in the press box, watching Hunter Green pitch. And during the whole time that Hunter Green was pitching, he was pretty much he kind of kept to himself the second that he got done pitching. They made a pitching change. Joe Morgan opened up and just talked baseball with anybody and everybody that was in that press box like, you know, we had all been best friends for years. Um, the, the most just outgoing, knowledgeable about just, I mean, he was, I mean, he'd see things on the field that were all just like, wait, what? Like, I mean, clearly a brilliant baseball mind. Um I still, you know, I, I, I'm not entirely sure that he ever kind of came around with the more advanced analytical stuff. Um, but when it came to things that relate to the physical aspects of playing baseball, the understanding of what players were doing on the field, he was brilliant. And, you know, I, young me, I was, I'm sure we all can look back. Well, maybe not if you're still young. You may not get this for a couple more years. But we, we can all look back and think to ourselves, you know, we probably were a little bit too um, – how do I want to say this? We thought we were much smarter than we were at the time. We we knew everything and other people knew nothing because we, we just – we understood everything, right? Um, and from that day forward, I, I kind of always felt bad about how I talked about – Joe Morgan in the sense of his broadcasting career and the way that he looked at things and said things. He was the most generous and nice person ever. Uh, I really only had that one interaction, but it, it, it really did change the way that I looked at his broadcasting career. Um, and I, I, I always felt bad about that after the fact. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just wanted to share that you know that 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 one time that I really had a chance to interact with him, like he went out of his way. He didn't have to stay up there in the press box and talk with you know the six of us idiots that were there. 
he's Joe Morgan. He could have gone to the owner's the owner's private box and hung out there, and it had been it had been great. But he just he just wanted to hang out there and talk baseball with you know six people he'd never met before. In his yeah, life. great and great it, story, it great. Uh, fantastic. Awesome. And the best part of that story is is the part where you admitted that you may have been wrong about something in, in the past. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't like to admit it, but yeah, that's actually, uh, it, it that's actually. really good. I never had the opportunity to, to to run across him. He's one of the few that I've not had a chance to run across at some point, um, which is unfortunate because yeah, lots of good stories out there. I just want to end with uh, anytime any of us think that we are uh, we know what we're talking about. I want to quote from the Cincinnati Enquirer, uh, Reds beat writer Bob Herzl the day after Joe Morgan was traded to Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, he was traded. It was a big deal. You know, they got Geronimo back, and there was uh, some other pieces but at Armbrister. But uh, going, going to Houston was Lee May, the big bopper, and Tommy Helms, who were both very popular in Cincinnati. And uh, the next morning, <laughs> it's the most hyperbolic reaction ever, Reds beat writer Bob Hertz on the Cincinnati Enquirer. If the United States had traded Dwight Eisenhower to the Germans during World War II, it wouldn't have been much different than sending May and Helms to Houston. Oh, yeah, we just got one of the greatest players in the history of baseball back. So uh, there's there's another uh, instance where, you know, let's, uh, let's not all believe that we're uh, 100% perfect on all our grand hot takes, and that was the hottest of takes. <laughs> It was. Yeah, well, that was a pretty All right, Joe take. Morgan, um, a great life, and uh, rest in peace. Now, there was a little bit of Reds news this week, I, I guess. You know, I mean, it's not really news necessarily because some teams are still playing baseball. You may have noticed that, Doug. Um, the Reds are not among those teams. So let's talk about, you know, the the, the quick transaction. Man, this is, the, whew, this is big stuff here. The Reds uh, announced four roster moves. Jesse Biddle, Matt Bowman, Matt Davidson, and Travis Jankowski all cleared waivers and were outrighted to AAA Louisville. Man, this offseason's already getting crazy, isn't it? I mean, that, that I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, two of those guys were on our playoff roster, so big big shoes to fill. Well, you know, the Reds did have a playoff roster. That's something. <laughs> That's that's right. Slowly hey, but surely. Yeah, we're moving in the right, in the right direction. direction, right? Uh, other news this week is that the the MLB Players Association, MLB stands for Major League Baseball. The MLB Players Association has uh, players but players choice awards essentially, I guess, and uh, they announced uh, the finalists in in their categories. And uh, surprisingly, Travis Jankowski not nominated, but Trevor Bauer was one of the finalists for the Outstanding Pitcher Award. Outstanding pitcher. He was an outstanding pitcher this year. He he was pretty good. Is he going to beat uh, uh, U Darvish, Chicago's U Darvish, or the uh, the Mets? Jacob Degrom is the question. And and really, do we care? Uh, I mean, I you know I wrote about it on Red Lake Nation that you know I I don't know. I mean, personally, from an outsider's perspective, obviously you'd rather be the Cy Young Award winner than the Outstanding Player Award winner. But I don't know if that's necessarily true for, at least maybe for this specific award, but for some of the other awards, because you know, these are voted on by your peers. They're not voted on by idiots like me, or, well, I guess people slightly above me in the pecking order of 
uh, people that write about sports um, that that aren't out there facing off against you. Um, so, I mean, maybe it would be more of a thing for a player to be voted on as the best player at your position by everybody else that's on the major maybe. fields with you. Um, I mean, I, technically, I mean, I, I don't really care if Trevor Bauer wins this or doesn't win this, but uh, I think I think that it'd be cool if he did because I I, I think that he was the he best. He was the best pitcher, pitcher uh, for the Cincinnati Reds this year. I I feel pretty confident. Step way out on a limb there, Doug. Argue against that one. <laughs> well, be careful. I'll try not to. That's really the only uh, only real news of the week. A couple of things I wanted to. I wanted to talk about before we get into some viewer mail. We have some some wacky viewer mail this week, Doug. All right, good because hey, we got, I'm, got I'm some wacky questions. I like saying the word wacky. Have you noticed that? <laughs> At Red Lake Nation, which is a wacky website, uh, this week uh, you had a couple of. Uh, Interesting pieces where you looked back at the uh, the career of uh, the Dick Williams era, I guess we'll call it. Res president of baseball operations, now former president of baseball operations, Dick Williams, we talked about last week on the podcast, uh, resigned. And um, you talked about his best move and his worst move. And I want to let you go ahead and are you ready to take a, take a stand on what was the best move that Dick Williams made or that the Reds made while Dick Williams was at the helm here? Well, I guess first I should start off by saying I personally define the Dick Williams era starting the offseason after the 2016 year. Uh, he was named the, the general manager, quote-unquote, in training, so to speak, um, after the 2015 season. But basically the Reds were like, yeah, he's the general manager right now, but everything's going through Walt Jockety until after this next season. So me personally— and I've come across many people that disagree with me, and that's okay. Uh, I, I don't really give Dick Williams credit for anything before the 2016 offseason, uh, and I don't try and take anything away from him before that either. Um, so for me, I mean, the, the best move, uh, it's, it's got to be acquiring Luis Castillo for Dan Straley. Um, with, with all due respect to how outstanding I think the Sonny Gray trade and extension turned out, uh, I feel like they gave up a little bit more uh, in, in that scenario, and, you know, they had to work out an extension. And the the money difference, which, you know, I mean, that, that does matter. It, it was it, It's very different paying, you know, $10-plus million a year to Sonny Gray. Absolutely worth it, and then some. But you got six full years of Luis Castillo yeah, for absolutely. Dan Straley. I, I, I agree with that 100%. That was just an incredible deal. And, and he had he had a number of uh, of good deals, you know. Uh, that same year with Scooter Jeanette. And uh, you mentioned Sonny Gray. Fantastic deal. Now, just, you know, you and I haven't spoken about uh, Dick Williams stepping away. And, and let's maybe just for a second discuss that for a moment. Because, you know, the more I think about it, and, and this is what I wrote this week, um, I really believe that Dick Williams is going to be remembered fondly. I think his, uh, you know, his stewardship of this organization. Uh, did they win? No, they didn't win, and so we're not gonna we're not gonna remember that that portion of it. But the fingerprints that he has all over everything in this organization that that I mean, because this they were in a mess when he took over. Walt Jockety, for all the good that he did for a little while, uh, and Bob Castellini. They handed a mess over to Dick Williams, 
And he kind of, again, at some point we got to see it on the field before we can uh, give anybody pats on the back, but he kind of revolutionized everything from the lowest levels of the minor leagues to the extent that those still exist, uh, all the way up to the majors. He finally dragged this organization out of the dark ages when it comes to analytics. And uh, you know, to me, he he did more to change this organization than I think anyone gives him credit for. And uh, I hope that it's going to, you know, hiring Kyle Bodie and you know, Derek Johnson, just the, the, the things they've done to change the way this organization does business. I hope that at some point it's going to show up and wins on the field. And if it does really soon, uh, and especially if it does in, in terms of the uh, the way that the team develops prospects and uh, the philosophy throughout the organization from top to bottom, I hope that he gets credit because I really feel like he put a stamp on this team. And, and, and again, you got, you got to win for anybody to care about any of that, but, and they may not, but I, I just, I feel like he did an awful lot for this organization to just fundamentally change how they operate. Am I, am I overstating things? I, I don't think so. I, and, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that a little bit in the article, but not, not quite to the extent that you just went there. And I'm, you know, the, the stuff, the non-player things that he did, um, th- those are things that hopefully, assuming that the, the organization doesn't just take a complete change in approach. Those, those are things that will last a decade after he's gone. Um, and, you know, those are things that absolutely in no way, shape, or form existed before he got there. Um, I mean, he's, like you said, he, he brought the organization, at the very least, to where everybody else is at in Major League Baseball in terms of analytics and analysis. Uh, I think that they're actually well ahead of a majority of the teams. They're not the top. But I, I think that they are above average um, based on the things that I've heard and seen. And that's revolutionary um, considering where they baseball. were when, the Red, when, he, when Dick Williams uh, took over. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been four years. <laughs> four years. And, I mean, we're, we're we're able to look at this right now, and they've got more um, analysis. Uh, analysis. Oh, my gosh. I cannot say this word yet. Analysts in their front office than I think 25 other teams. Uh, I mean, the, the Cincinnati Reds. I mean that, that's crazy because they, they they were at the bottom of the list about five years ago, um, and you know I don't I still don't know how they got Derek Johnson to come here, but I mean oh yeah you know, we're already seeing the benefits of that like we we saw that right away, um, you know we we haven't really gotten a chance to see what Kyle Bodie can do with the the farm system yet because there was no minor league season this year, but I mean I I've been able to see some things that they've done. Nice. Um, and somebody's calling me. I'm sorry about that. That's uh, my yeah, real estate agent. Oh, um, we take precedence. I love it. Um yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's, um, he's just but I mean it, it, we yeah, we just haven't been able to see what Kyle Bodie can do. Um you know, I I've seen some prospects that have picked up velocity, for example, um since last season, but you know, we haven't been able to see that on the on the field yet. But if we do, and I, I think that we will, we're we're going to see some things that you know in a couple of years we can look back and be like, you know, that's got Dick Williams' so. finger. I hope so because uh, you know he wasn't perfect, but uh, but he did an awful lot of things that really changed the way the Reds do business uh, at a time when they could not have afforded to wait much longer because they were getting so far behind everywhere else. So hopefully it will at some point it will uh, translate into something. Okay, now the last thing I want to talk about before we get into this uh, wacky viewer mail 
is a young man, a 25-year-old shortstop, named, and I hope I don't uh, don't butcher this, I'm not trying to, Ha Song Kim, a uh, Korean shortstop that evidently is going to be posted and available to big league teams. And uh, what can you, you, I know you wrote about uh, about Kim at uh, Red Leg Nation this week, and I'm really, really intrigued by this guy. But uh, why don't you let everybody in on the, on the what's the scoop on this guy? Uh, you know, he's, he's the top prospect in the KBO. Uh, he'll be 25 years old next year. You know, he hits for power. He walks more than he strikes out, and he can play a pretty good shortstop defensively. Uh, Major League Baseball scouts feel that you know he, he's going to be highly sought after. Um, you know, he's 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 kind of that that big international quote unquote prospect this year, um, and so uh, you know the the thing that works against against a team like the Reds, so to speak, is that uh, he actually is a guy who will require real amounts of money to sign uh, he's been a professional long enough and he has enough experience that he's not considered a prospect so he can actually seek out a major league deal uh as opposed to something like uh oh gosh angels dh pitcher whose Sho- name i shohei Shohei Otani. yes uh um, unlike him who you know he had to sign basically a minor league deal worth you know a million dollars or less uh, that's not going to be the case here. So a team that does go after him is going to have to pay real amounts of money to acquire him. But it, it seems that the people that know baseball, they're pretty excited about this guy. Well, can, can he be a red, please? I, I mean, it's not up to me, Chad, but I mean, I'm pretty sure rules-wise, yes, he can be a red. Okay, be a red, please. That's, yeah. That's all I'm asking him. <laughs> hey, it's not. That's it, not really a big ask, in my opinion. Yeah, really. Uh, uh, do the Reds have money? What are we going to hear about that? Uh, this uh, are they going to are they going to cry poverty again? And, and you know, and maybe it's legit because of what, what we've all been going through. But you know, we spent most of our lives with the Reds, just uh, you know, crying poor. We can't compete with everybody. Small market. And uh, yeah, are we are we about to go back to those days right when they were on the cusp of actually competing? They even got somewhere close to the top half of salaries. Uh, this year, uh, what what is your expectation? Are the Reds going to spend any money? Yeah, I honestly, Chad, I, I don't have an expectation. I have I just have no idea what any team is going to do really because of all that went on this year with no fans. Um, you know, I, while I feel like we've beaten this drum the last the last couple of years, you know, revenues are a lot more tied to television contracts now than they are to selling tickets. But you know, selling tickets still does matter a little bit. Um, and you know the, nobody sold any tickets this year, um, and so I, I personally just I don't think that teams are going to go out and spend a lot of money this off season. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, um, but I, I think that they're fairly unfairly uh, being truthful, being untruthful. I don't really know, um, but I, I, I think that most of them are going to basically be like, look, we didn't make any money this year. Most of us lost money this year. We're not spending money this year. And, I mean that doesn't mean nobody's going to do anything. But I think that guys that would have gotten a lot more money aren't going to get nearly as much this year. And I think that's going to be the, the very best guys at the top of the market all the way down to the guys at the bottom of the market who are going to get you know your guaranteed $1 million deal. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from anyone either. But I will say this. If the Reds you know, uh, aren't able to spend money, if they feel like they're not able to, if that's what they try to tell us anyway – and you know, again, I don't know what their finances look like, but if they are unable to spend money or if they refuse to spend money, either way, if you bring back roughly the same team this year, don't expect to get anything different than what you got this year. 
And that's the thing, Chad, is, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I don't feel very confident that they can bring the same team back this year because, I mean, yeah. the best player on their team is a free agent. Same team, Mass Bauer? Yeah, this is going to be great. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. He's going to be a free agent. Were you talking about Freddie Galvis? Him, too. Oh. Him, too. But, I mean, you know, Anthony DiScofani is, is a free agent. I mean, how are you going to replace those three? Yeah, they have to replace them, and uh, uh, I mean, anyway, I, you know, I I think I, I feel confident they can they can find replacements for two of those guys. This yeah. it's, it's replacing what Trevor Bauer did is that's that's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, even if Trevor Bauer comes back, we can't expect him to be the Trevor Bauer we saw this year. But still, right? You yeah, gotta... you, 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 being realistic, you can't expect that kind of performance from literally anybody. Like that that's a that's a once in a career kind of performance from literally any pitcher ever. But, you know, you uh, worst case scenario, you're giving up a top three starter in your rotation and you've got to replace him somehow. So, ugh, well, we've got plenty of time this offseason to talk about that. So let's... Yes, yes. Uh, once we start to see how things shape up after after we do the World Series, because I am uh, I understand that teams are still trying to win a World Series. So we'll, uh, I'm not sure that that's the case. I'll do some investigating and report back to you next week. Sounds good. All right, it's uh, viewer mail time. Before we do that, uh, let's talk about our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio because this week we have another member of the family, Andy Disbennett. Is that how you pronounce that? D-I-S-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Uh, let, let us know, Andy. Let yeah. us know. Have you heard of that name? That's a new one to me. It's, it's new to me, too, uh, but my name's Doug Gray, so, I mean... My, my name's pretty easy to, per, easy to pronounce that's and true. spell. Well, that's not true. A lot of people spell my last name wrong all the time, um, you know, because you can spell gray two different ways. And apparently I spell it the less popular way. I don't know. Everything you do is the less popular way. I don't know. I, I disagree. I breathe, and I feel like that's a pretty, pretty popular, popular thing to do. That may be where you... That's uh, it, though. Where you fit in with every other human. That's the only place. No, of course that's not true. But Andy, Andy Disbennett... If I mispronounce that, I apologize. I'm not doing it on purpose. I mean, I, and it may sound like I'm mispronouncing it, but you just can't really tell because of this ridiculous accent. I, I refuse to accept that you have an accent, Chad. I don't believe you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You are the only one that uh, that believes that. Andy, uh, you know, one of our one of our things we do here is that we give each uh, each new member of the family at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio a uh, a position on our beer league softball team. Here's what I'm thinking for Andy. For some reason, the name Andy conjures up a catcher to me. I don't know why, but that's not what I see with Andy. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best players I ever played uh, with in Little League. Oh, I was a I was a outstanding Little League player. And listen, if if I could play Little League now, I'd kick everybody's butt. I saw that movie, Chad, <laughs> featuring but, former Cincinnati Red John Moscott. Ooh, outstanding! I have no idea what you're talking about. Is that uh, is that Field that's of Dreams? The bench warmers. The bench warmers. Yeah, that's not one that I've seen. Oh well, you John Moscow's really it, in that. He really is. He he plays one of the. I mean, he did it as a teenager. Uh, he was one of the kid pitchers in that movie. Huh. Well, going back to my little league days, uh, a kid's name last name was Bennett. So for some reason, I see the name Andy Disbin. I think of that that guy, and he was just an unbelievable athlete. So so what I'm going to see here for for Andy is he's going to be. A pitcher and a shortstop, just like uh, this other guy. So the best athlete on our beer league softball team, he's going to go back and forth between pitcher and shortstop because he's such an incredible athlete. That's what I see for Andy. What do you got for Andy? What position? Well, I'm going to go with pitcher because the name sounded to me 
sort of like Andy Bennis. Ooh, former big former former big league pitcher, fourteen years career. Uh, I mean, he was pretty good. I mean, got through twenty five hundred innings, had one hundred and fifty five wins. Yeah, so, great career. I mean, you you went pitcher or shortstop. I'm just going with pitcher. Straight so pitcher. I, I feel like we're we're kind of on the same page here. He's going to be a pretty good pitcher. And I mean, hey, if you can play four days a week and the other three are at a shortstop position, I'm in. Yeah, but I'm sorry, Andy. New guy's got to bring the keg to the next practice. Andy, thank you so much for joining uh, joining the, the crew here at uh, Red Lake Nation Radio. Really love having you around. Um, you do have an invitation to the Slack channel. If you've not accepted that yet, it's out there. Uh, really appreciate you. All right, let's move on to viewer mail. These questions do come from our friends at patreon.com slash Radio. The first comes from, uh, not every week, but almost every week, our friend Joe Farsing. And Joe asks this question. What's the best 1980s anti-drugs PSA, public service announcement? I say the, this is your brain on drugs, frying egg. Others say it's the, I learned it from watching you, okay? What say you? The best 1980s anti-drugs PSA. Now, you've already told us when you were born, so I'm sure you were really, as a kid, I'm sure you were really into the uh, the anti-drugs public service announcements on television back in that era. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, Chad. Um, <laughs> I'm always but sarcastic. I, I am going to go first on this because I this truly did affect my life. There's a, a fun family story about how I would not eat eggs, and I would lose my mind if, I, if my parents would eat eggs because of that commercial because I thought they were doing drugs. Like it, was a, it was a real thing in my house. And within my family, that they couldn't convince me that eggs were not drugs because of that commercial. Oh, the picture is becoming clearer every day the more we talk, Doug. <laughs> I am so so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a pretty big one. Uh, you know, if you all remember that one, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And I can see how you would be confused as a young child. Uh, the I learned it from watching you. Okay, that's you know that's uh, that was a good one as well. Um, what about just say no? Is that was was that one? Just say it, no. It, it was one, um, but that one doesn't. Uh, obviously, I was traumatized by one of them, so it doesn't quite hold the same uh, the grip on me. Yeah, but. we're probably gonna have to go with the frying egg. But uh, you know, at some point, it would have been nice if someone had caught me. You know, say right around you know eighty three or so when I was just starting to really understand who the Reds were and really become a hardcore fan. If somebody would have just looked at me and said, a, a "Little Chad." Just say no. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but then I'd be having this podcast conversation with no one, and I'd really sound crazy. Well, that would be your brain on drugs. Next Fair question. <laughs> Next question comes from, now this is a little, someone's found a loophole here, and I'm not going to say who it is because I'm not going to encourage this, but the loophole is uh, this uh, patron has changed his name on patreon.com slash Radio, his little uh, username, and in order to get me to say a, uh, a funny little phrase. Now, that's not fair, is it? I, you're the lawyer, Chad, not me. Here's the here's the name of uh, the person who contributed this question. I shake my little tush on the catwalk. On the catwalk. I shake my <laughs> little tush on the catwalk. Now, the fact of the matter is, I probably would have said that without the prompting. But, uh, if you, Doug, are you aware of what that's from? It sounds so familiar. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to place it, though. Classic American song. Classic American song that describes me. The title of it describes me better than any song ever. But I'm not going to say it. Question is, 
What's the? I got it now. I put it together. Okay, good. There we go. What's the best hair color for a podcaster, and what's the worst? I ask partly because I'm looking uh, for looking to start a podcast, but mostly to hear you say my name. Yeah, oh yeah, I said it. I said it. What's the best hair color for a podcaster? Clearly, it's white. If you look at my uh, ever whitening hair. Uh, how about how about no hair? Ooh. Shout out Stephen Offenbaker. There you go. No hair. So that's no no hair is the worst. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Red so, podcast. So, Little uh, little brouhaha is about to break out. That's right. No, I love Steve, obviously, but, uh, you know, that's, come on. Bald, really? (laughs) You like that look? Come on. Uh, I'll I'll be there soon. (laughs) Different strokes for different folks, Chad. Yeah, so we're going to say salt and pepper. There we go. Salt and pepper, that's the best hair color. Um, Prematurely gray, that's the best hair color. Thank you for your question, shake my little tush on the catwalk. Kyle Kapler asks, in my humble opinion, my top three trade targets are Kettle Marte, Whit Merrifield, and Trevor Story. Can you rank these players in terms of desirable? Please share if you can think of any other attainable player to fix this horrible offense. Now, I don't know if he, he used the term attainable so that we would stop ranting about uh, Francisco Lindor or dreaming about Francisco Lindor or drooling over the prospect of Francisco Lindor in the middle of this lineup. But uh, that's that's a name. But let's talk about those three names. Uh, two of those I would really like to have, and a third I'm yeah I would take him, but I'm not that enthused by. Give me your ranking: Kettle Marte, Whit Merrifield, Trevor Story, in order of uh, who you'd like to have. Well, I'll start with Whit Merrifield because I've got his his page up because I, I've actually seen this name brought up a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's a fine player. Nothing wrong with him. He's a second baseman and an outfielder. Well, he's not going to play second base for the Reds. So therefore, he's an outfielder. Is an outfielder? I'm. Where's he gonna play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, how does I'm, he fit? I mean, I, I, I just, I'm not sure where he fits in. He's gonna be 32 next year, so it's, it's not like you're buying in long term. Um, I mean, I again, like he, him. He, he, he's a fine player. There's nothing wrong with his game whatsoever. Uh, I'm just not sure that he's an actual real upgrade. Yeah, he's a piece. I mean, he could help the team. He's not. He's, he's a good player. Right, yeah. He's not. He's, he's not going to be the guy that puts this team over the top. He's he, not. He, he doesn't move the needle. He's, he's not a difference maker. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the way I, I put it. Is it just, is this person going to move the needle or not? And you know, he's going to make the Reds a little bit better. Probably he gives us more depth, and and he's a fine player. But yeah, so he's probably he's number three. Although there's no, the, another guy that's close to. It's a close for for number three. Who's I mean, who? we, we, we can look at Kettle Marte. He's got one good season and yeah. granted to be fair it was it was 2019 you know I, i'm willing to give a lot of people a pass on 2020 given all the circumstances of everything um but you know he's going to be 27 next year and he's had one really good season uh quite a few below average seasons uh now if you're going to get that 2019 version he moves the needle <laughs> no but question if, if you're going to get basically what he's been for his career i'm not i'm just not sure that he does anything better or different than anybody else that the Reds are going to put out in the outfield. So you like Trevor Story? I mean, what position does Trevor Story play? He does play, well, Marte can play that position as well, right? I mean, you know, that, that that's my idea that, you, that yeah, Mar- yeah. Mar- Marte's my number one and, and okay. I put him at shortstop. So you're, you're going to take Kettle Marte over Trevor Story? I am, yes. Oh, okay. I don't trust I don't... Rockies. I I will... 
I'm going to go the other way. I, I just, I, I'm more confident in, in Trevor's story. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't looked deep enough to see who I feel is the better defensive shortstop. I trust that bat a lot more. I know there's the, there's a lot of strikeouts there, but you know, call me a sucker. I think that the power is going to play no matter where he's at. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe look at Trevor story. He's a good player. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I don't yeah. know. You know, if, if Trevor, I'll say this, I think Trevor story and Kettle Marte, either one could quote unquote move the needle, but you are taking up, I guess you are taking a, a, you're taking a chance on both of them. With story, at least you have a uh, an established baseline. You know he, he's he's put up several good years, um, and he'll be 28 next year. Marte still young, has only had the one year, but it was a great year. So you know, um, I don't know. I'm just a I'm a Marte fan. So Doug's wrong. Phil Thompson he asks. I obviously became a Patreon member for all the Simpsons Simpsons references, not any Cincinnati Reds talk. I recently watched the greatest of all time Simpsons episode, and you're right, Phil, this is the greatest of all time episode, Homer at the Bat. And Monty Burns introduces the plant's softball team to some unorthodox strategies, namely brain and nerve tonic, hypnotism, and the elimination of sideburns. Is Monty Burns the owner-manager the Reds need? He's innovative, will win at all costs, and recruit ringers with bags of cash. So is he the... I have, I have one stipulation that has to be involved if he's going to be the owner slash manager. What's that? He also has to be the third base coach. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I, I need those signs happening every play. Fantastic, fantastic uh, signs. I'm not sure that Homer could uh, understand those, but uh, yeah, you know, I like that my favorite part of that episode, I think I even mentioned this on the podcast before, is when he's trying to teach the team to bunt, and the, the pitch comes in and he tries to bunt it, and it knocks him through the back, the backstop. He's uh, he's he's slight, I guess. He's aged, but yes, he's absolutely the owner uh, manager the Reds need for one reason and one reason only. Well, two reasons, I guess. If you put it the way that uh, that Phil did, he'll win at all costs. I'm okay with that, and he will recruit ringers with bags of cash. That is exactly what we need. That is that is what we need. But why wouldn't Don Mattingly shave his sideburns? I never understood that. He refused <sighs> to shave his sideburns. How'd that work out for him? I don't know. If you haven't seen that episode, Homer at the Bat of uh, The Simpsons, man, that is just a all-time classic. I would encourage it. Our new friend, Andy Disbennett, says this. Doug and Chad, congratulations. You're now both co-GMs of the Cincinnati Reds. Looking at the current roster, what's one move that you would make on the offensive side and one move for the pitching staff, either be a trade or free agency? Could you see any minor leaguers like Nick Lodolo, for example, filling that role. Uh, let's let's talk first about one part of that, Doug, because uh, this is a question that I'm interested to ask you. Anyone other than Lodolo and, and Tyler Stevenson do you think could potentially... I mean, I guess Jose Garcia is in there because he, he did play this year, but those are the two guys I see from the, the minor leagues that could have some kind of an impact in the free, in the free uh, on the major league team next year. You see anyone else? Now, if we're going to say all of next year... Uh, I, I really do think that Hunter Green has oh, a chance yeah. to, to get up there at some point. I don't think it'll be in, in April. I agree. And I hope um, he's healthy. Good shoulder, good elbow. Um, but I, I, I noticed more than once um, when the front office members were asked about guys that were, you know, kind of that, that next wave that were over at Prasco, they, they, they always mentioned Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Yeah. And they were not the only pitchers that were there, Chad. And I, I, that, that told me something. 
Um, I, 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 and maybe it's just me reading into it, which that's perfectly possible. Um, but the fact that those two were the guys that were mentioned, it just told me that they, they really liked what they were seeing and they were confident that those guys were a little bit closer um, to being ready than, than maybe you would have expected, given that there was no season and both of those guys haven't pitched above a ball. Yeah, I could see Lodolo being here really early, and I agree with, with Hunter Green. Um, but on the pitching staff, via trade or free agency, you know, I guess my, my one move is re- re-sign Trevor Bauer. That's my move, yeah. if, you know. Break the bank and sign the guy. Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, I don't know if you technically have to break the bank. I mean, you may have to break the bank for 2021, um, but if, if Trevor Bauer's going to sit back and he's gonna he really is going to stick with the I'm only going to sign one-year deal things, I mean, are you really breaking the bank if you pay him? I mean, I'm just going to throw a, a number out there. You guys can take it however you want, but $40 million for one year. Is that really breaking the bank? I mean, <laughs> it's it's not like you're giving him 160 for six years. I haven't checked I mean, my account it, lately, but like that it, would break my bank, yes. <laughs> okay. Would it break the Reds' bank, though? I don't know. And and, and, and that's the thing. I, I don't really know, and I don't think that any of us really know. Um well, maybe a few people. We're, we're, we're just going to pretend that people that would know do listen to Red League Nation Radio. Exactly. Um, That's the move I would make. Do sure. you see another one, trade or free agency, on the pitching side? That makes more sense? I I, I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I Honestly, I mean, I, I would definitely talk with Trevor Bauer to see what it's going to take to get him to come back. Um, if he doesn't come back, I, I don't know that I'd go out and make another large kind of attempt. I, I, I feel confident that Tyler Malley, TJ Antone, I, maybe it's just me, I feel confident that Wade Miley is going to be able to come back next year um, and perform much better than we saw this year in the, the limited capacity that he did have. Um, that At least one through five going into spring training, assuming everybody's healthy, which I don't have any reason to believe they wouldn't be because they all ended the year healthy, um, that, 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 that they, they can get the job done as far as a pitching staff goes. Obviously, we, we do need to address the offense and how they perform. But from a pitching staff alone, I'm comfortable with that one through five that the Reds would have. Uh, obviously, I would like to go out and get a little bit more depth just in case. Sure. But, that, but you got, that's you, not going to— you got that, Lodolo that, and Michael Lorenzen. I mean, you got some depth there, yeah, potentially. Yeah, so I, I don't think that you need to go out and spend $15, 20000000 million to get you know two starters to try and fill out your rotation. If you're going to spend that kind of money, get a difference maker. Yeah. like Trevor Bauer. Definitely. So on the offensive side, you know, I, again, uh, it's got to be a shortstop to me. I, I just That's the clear place if you can upgrade. And, you know, if you can you trade for Lindor? I don't know. You know, I don't even know if that's out there. Um, I think Marcus Simeon is going to be a free agent. And, you know, he, you know, he's good. Uh, has, has been really good at times. Uh, but he's getting some, some years on him. I don't know. I wouldn't mind having him. I don't know. They, uh, they've got to improve. I mean, I'm as big a fan of Jose Garcia as anyone. I think he's the long-term, uh, fingers crossed, the long-term answer here, but they got to get better at that position next year. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think that that's the position you have to target uh, because everywhere else is pretty much filled out unless you're going to get a true superstar, which, if I mean, it, it's just tough for Cincinnati to do that because really to get a true superstar, you got to trade for him, which means you got to give up a whole lot, uh, and that's just not really something that the Reds – probably are going to do um yeah, and that. so you know shortstop i mean there, there's a few guys that are out there in free agency you know you you mentioned you know marcus simeon uh andrelton simmons is a free agent you know a guy we've talked about in the past year or two dd gregorius is a free agent again um you know and w- when you have jose garcia 
you know, who hopefully, I think a lot of us think that, you know, he can be the future. I, I think that we all feel he, he may need another year of, of seasoning in the minor leagues. We kind of saw that, you know, he was kind of pushed into, into a position at the major league level that he probably wasn't ready for offensively. Uh, so if you can get one of those guys on a, on a short-term deal, maybe a year or two, you know, that, that that's where I'd be looking. Here's my thing for the offseason. I look, like, look around these other teams that are still in the playoffs or that lasted longer than the Reds in the playoffs, and with pretty much everybody I look around, I'm like, every one of them has a serious difference maker in their lineup. And the Reds don't have that guy. I mean, you know, Joey Votto used to be that guy. He's not anymore. And and I don't know how you get one of those guys, but you know, the Reds have a bunch of guys that should be average to above average. But there's no real hammer, unless you want to say that Nick Castellanos is going to be that guy. And maybe he will, but again, uh, yeah, that, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that's the only guy that I can even think of that I feel I, I don't want to say confident, but that I can see being yeah the, the, an offensive difference maker next year is if Nick Castellanos goes back to being the guy that he was in 2019. I really think the Reds have to do something, even if it's at a position they've already got uh, someone at. If they can somehow figure out how to get a difference maker in. We say Lindor because he's a difference maker, and he also happens to play a position that the Reds really need. But I don't know. I look at the lineup, and I just – I see – comparing it to other lineups, I don't see – you know, the, the Braves had three guys, basically, you know, um, that were absolute offensive juggernauts in uh, Ozuna, Acuna, and obviously uh, – Freddie Freeman and you know the Reds had nobody that could uh, could match any of those three and I don't know I don't know how you'd be competitive you, the pitching is not going to be as good next year that's there's every expectation that our Reds pitching is not going to be as good now they're going to be good I think there's no reason not to believe they won't be even without Bauer they'll still be good I think but I don't know. they got to get a, they got to get a hammer Rich Thompson. Rich says, last week I proposed that the loyal followers of Red Leg Nation and RedsMinorLeagues.com gather at a site somewhere near Cincinnati to actually play a game of softball once we come out of this age of COVID to celebrate. If we come out of this age of COVID. Naturally, I think you and Doug should be the managers respectively for this potential spectacle. Uh, it's not a spectacle. I think debacle. You misspelled that, Rich. Debacle. My question is, if you can make this happen, how will you decide who will play for each team? For example, would you possibly have a draft? Um, we would we would absolutely have a draft. Yeah, and it'd be just like you're telling me you're, you're telling me I can be actually be like a real scouting director on this. Yeah, we're having a draft, Chad. Oh, see, I was thinking more along the lines of standing out on the field and doing it like we used to do on the schoolyard. You know, I think this guy, I got this guy. Oh, oh, oh I'm scouting by how they look in their jeans. It's it's straight out of Moneyball. <laughs> okay, all right, the, the opposite approach of the guys that were, you know, about the movie was about. But still, yeah, absolutely. All right, yes, we will have a draft. It will be a. Uh, uh, it'd be just like out on the schoolyard, except that Doug will have put some time and effort into it, and I will have not. Which means you will win. Probably. Yes. Chuck Nichols, thanks for taking the time every week to do the podcast. It really helps me pass the time on my drive to work. You know, the only thing that I really, the only reason I still keep doing this podcast is because I like the, in my in my mind, I just imagine that I'm sitting next to, uh, to everyone that's listening to this as they're going to work and, and just talking to them. It gets me through the day. I like talking to Chuck, just hanging out with Chuck, talking to him. My question for you two is, who's your favorite to win the World Series this year? My preference is the Rays, due to the fact they're a small market team like the Reds. Who is your favorite to win the World Series this year? I mean, if I had to choose, I would prefer it to be the Rays out of the teams that are left. No, wait, the, the Reds aren't The Reds aren't still playing, right? 
Sadly, you are correct. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going Tampa. Who you got? <sighs> I. I, I, I want to see Randy Rosarena hit 17 home runs this offseason, so I'm also going to go with Tampa. There you go. You know, I uh, I would not be surprised to see the Dodgers win this thing. I still think they're the best team, and I know they they're 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 pretty good, but uh, yeah, I, I can't see this Braves pitching holding up. But we'll see. So far, you know, of course, not not yesterday, not in their last game. <laughs> yes, but. yes, last 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 night or two nights ago, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this, it was. It was not good for the uh, the Braves pitching staff, but it's only one game, and that's you know it's gonna it's gonna ruin their ERA for the series. But uh, if they get back to doing what they have been doing, does that really matter? Good question. All right, Hooper Powell asks. Well, you know, and listen, this is really a rude way to put this uh, question, Hooper. I'm not sure I approve of this. Well, since you ran short on time with Chatty Kathy Garber last week, I'm hoping you can read my letter this week. <laughs> The only reason I'm reading is because it's an actual letter from an actual viewer. I was wondering if these jobs would be your dream job. Which of these jobs would be your dream job, or if any of them? A, taking over for Dick Williams. B, being a roadie for Dave Matthews' band. Or C, portraying Fred Gwynn's character, Judge Chamberlain, in the Broadway rendition of... I'm assuming he meant to say My Cousin Vinny, but autocorrect said My Cousin Bunny, which is a much better Broadway show. So which of those jobs would be my dream job? None of those jobs would be my dream job. But if I were to do one of them, I would take over for Dick Williams and probably run this organization into the ground. But I'd have fun doing it. I'll agree with you. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, if I didn't have stage fright, I would love to play the judge from My Cousin Vinny. That is one of my favorite movies. I uh, I played a clip from uh, My Cousin Vinny in... Uh, one of my classes this year that I'm teaching. and uh, But, you know, I, I pretended to be a judge for 15 years. I, I don't need to do that again. Joe Farsing with a second question, and I'm going to, this is directed to you, I guess, Doug, because I don't understand it. If you were a poisonous egg-laying aquatic mammal, aquatic mammal, which would you be? I don't get options. No. <laughs> then I have no idea. That's uh, Joe has baffled us once again. I've got no idea either. All right, last question comes from our friend Risto Neely. And Risto, I love you, babe. Uh, valuable member of our community. But once again this week, he has completely ignored my requests on the uh, when to get the questions in, what time to get the questions in. But fortunately, he got, he got it in just now, just under the wire since we're getting ready to sign off. We'll go ahead and, and, uh, and read the question. Risto asks, once again, I'll ask Doug my favorite question. Has anything as of this date been settled about the minor leagues? Will they play or work out a COVID solution to let them play if necessary? Uh, what Reds-affiliated teams will be shut down permanently by Grand Poobah Manfred in 2021? If you have no definitive answers to these questions, what's your opinion and best guess? Now, we do have some answers, but I'm going to ask you to quickly, Doug, uh, see if you can tackle that one, although it's tough to do quickly, but I'm going to ask you to. Okay, the Greenville Reds are no more. That's official. Uh, the Billings Mustangs are still kind of waiting out there in the wind as far as whether they'll even exist as affiliated teams or not. Uh, I don't think that they will. I think that they'll be much like the Greenville Reds and become a college wood uh, bat summer league team. Um, we don't really know much about a 2021 minor league season at this point. Uh, they are playing instructional league right now out in Arizona for all of the teams that have spring training out there. They're doing the same thing in Florida. Uh, there are basically the same kind of protocols that teams had in the major leagues and at their alternate sites um, 
as far as I know, things are going well so far for all the teams. Uh, but I don't think that there is any sort of actual plan in place for next year. Um, obviously, they kind of have to wait and see what happens uh, before they can go forward with that. And right, right now, they have time to wait and see what happens. All right, there you go. Pretty good. Um, Doug, that's that's about enough for this week. Okay. I, well, guess. I, I, think we did, I think we did good, Chad. I think so. Risto, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being a loyal viewer. Any final thoughts uh, for the for the family out there, for all of our actual viewers? Good luck, guys. Um, enjoy the baseball while we've still got it. There's a few weeks left. Uh, it's going to be a, a long off season of no baseball, and I hate all of that. So really take the time to enjoy the League Championship Series and the World Series. Absolutely. Unfortunately, our, our good guys are not, not involved, but that's all right. Still some good baseball to be played. Doug, uh, thank you so much. You all know where to subscribe to the podcast, I hope. If not, go subscribe to the stupid podcast. Come on, what are you waiting for? It's free. Um, if you want to toss a couple bucks our way and join the family, you can also do that. Uh, but you're not required to, but you can at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Uh, for Doug Gray and Joe Morgan, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. Good one. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.